This is the Next Man Up podcast with your hosts, Sal Gualteri, Nick Karolikas, and Ryan McNary. Welcome to the Next Man Up podcast, the inaugural episode of this pod. I'm Sal Gualteri alongside Nick Karolikas and Ryan McNary. You know, it's a sad day when you're on Zoom with your friends after playing four hours of Call of Duty. And I have to look at these two ladies wearing Bryce Harper jerseys. I'll start with you, McNary. What was behind that choice? You know, I have a wardrobe of outdated jerseys of guys who are no longer relevant and no longer on the same team. Uh, and, and I figured that this one was, was a good one for the uh, inaugural podcast where we haven't had sports in 65 days. And uh, we're, we're all Mr. Irrelevant at this point. Shout out Bryce Harper. I'm wearing his jersey too, McNary. I, uh, <clears throat> my reason's a little bit different than yours. I'm wearing mine because I know Sal hates him. So to get a reaction, I wore this 2015 National League Bryce Harper jersey from the All-Star Game in Cincinnati. Harper is an electric player with some good flow, great facial hair that I seem to not have yet. So I just kind of did it to make Sal upset. What are you rocking over there, Sal? I see some stripes. I see some blue and orange. I know you're a Mets guy, but I don't know what that jersey is. I received this jersey for my 23rd birthday, I think, Um, around the 30th anniversary of the 1986 New York Metropolitan World Champions. Greatest team of all time. Anyway, I'm rocking Lenny Dykstra. He's my favorite player from that team. How could you not love Lenny Dykstra if you're a Met fan? Although public opinion seems to stir the other way. but Especially just, when you're a criminal. Just missing baseball in general. You know, sports have been gone, like McNary said, for 65 days. And we should be in the prime real estate of baseball. I should be watching Lakers-Clippers game six tonight, Western Conference final, and it's just not happening. I know McNary's in California, so that's got to be tough for him. But uh, it's not like the Timberwolves would be there anyway, so. Now, not much experience in the playoffs since 2004, so not worried about that a whole lot. I've actually been waking up in the middle of the night to watch the KBO. I have adopted the LG Twins because of just the name, being a Minnesota Twins fan. So I've been waking up in the middle of the night watching a bunch of players who I have no idea um, who they are, but I've adopted them, and I'm uh, now a lifelong LG Twins fan. Go Twins. Talking about the uh, KBO McNary, I decided to hop on the bandwagon, even though they've never won a championship in the league's history. For the Kaiwoom Heroes, they play in a dome similar to Tampa Bay at the Trop, but it's a nicer Trop. Um, I have not even watched a pitch yet, but I am a Kaiwoom's hero, Kaiwoom Heroes fan. Can't wait to, for them to come out victorious this season. Oh, let me ask you a question. Is it a bandwagon if they've never won a championship? I personally will never hop on a bandwagon since I'm, you know, a Jets fan. Uh, clearly, I'm not going to change sides. I'm loyal. So the, the heroes have me until I die. Um, it's not a bandwagon. They've never won a championship. I think they came in second place last year, but second place is just the first loser, as we've learned in Call of Duty. Second place is the best of the losers. Shout out my dad for coining that in 2001 
we have had some sports though recently. We had the NFL schedule recently drop, and there's been a few games in particular. I like the Week One matchup between the Saints and the Bucks. We get to see Tim Brady against Drew Brees, who I know somebody here in this group thinks that Tim Brady is the GOAT. McNary, I do as well. But there's somebody else here who thinks that Drew Brees is the GOAT. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think Drew Brees is the GOAT. I know Drew Brees is the GOAT. Um, Statistically speaking, he's the best quarterback of all time. Uh, He had a hurricane come in, couldn't stop him. Just throwing passes to any anybody. Lance Moore, Joe Horn with cell phones in the end zone. Now he has Michael Thomas, who's probably the best receiver he's ever had. Sign me up for this year too, Sal. Drew Brees is getting it done. Do you know who Joe Horn called? Not my sister. So he called uh, Brett Lindsay, fellow Call of Duty player. Shout out Brett Lindsay. That will be a good game though between uh, Tom and Drew. I feel like that's going to be. Heck of a way to open up a season. Um, I'm most excited excited for... I don't know how you say that Tom Brady is not as good as Drew Brees when it's 6-1 to one in championships. I think this just boils down to you being a Greg Williams guy. Just Greg Williams a is a headhunter. I love Greg Williams. He's going to have another top 10 defense this year, uh, making key acquisitions, very close to signing Logan Ryan. Big on Greg Williams. It's not his fault. It's Gase's fault. But besides that, the game I'm looking forward to is Saints-Vikings. Um, it's a Friday night game on Christmas. Um, Christmas is obviously normally reserved for basketball and Macaulay Culkin. So to see some football on this day is making me ecstatic. Macaulay Culkin? I'm afraid you're mistaken. How are you going to pay for the Sunday ticket with your stolen credit card? Another one for me. It's got to be week three. Chiefs, Ravens, two best teams in football. Got robbed last year, the AFC Championship game. I mean, Logan Ryan and the Tennessee Titans prevented us from seeing Lamar and Mahomey in the AFC Championship game. I would have taken the Chiefs in that one anyway on the road, just saying. Yeah, me too. I I have that game, one of my favorites too. Just two quarterbacks that are going to just absolutely go off that game. It's going to be an exciting game to watch, especially with uh, J.K. Dobbins over there in Baltimore now. Um, him and Ingram are going to make this two-headed monster in Baltimore, and I'm excited to see it. My prediction was that the Chiefs win this game, but in the conference championship game, the Ravens win. Even more than that uh, Chiefs-Ravens game, I this is just another game, but the Monday, September 21st game between the Saints and the Raiders, it's going to be the first game in Vegas. Have you guys seen that stadium? It's like this big, like, shiny, like, all black, like insane stadium. It's futuristic. And I just want to see what it looks like. Cause I'm not going to, you know, probably be able to go out there with these travel restrictions restrictions. Now um, kind of see an up a close part of the new stadium there. I think the Raiders are um, going to be an awful team this year. I think Drew Brees might 21 burger them, um, but I'm still excited to see the stadium. I know the fans are going to be nuts. Yeah, I went to Vegas probably six, seven times last year um, because of how much I travel for work and uh, drove by the stadium multiple times, and that thing was huge. It was enormous. Um, super excited to go see what it looks like uh, from the inside, but it looks like a spaceship from the outside. 
Oh, so you've been to Vegas seven times. Um, I remember actually flying across country to go to Vegas, which is only what? How far is that from you, McNary? Like a forty-minute flight, yeah. Like forty-minute flight, seventy bucks. Six-hour drive. I flew across country from Providence, Rhode Island, or or Boston to Las Vegas, and uh, I remember you said that you were gonna come, and then did I see you, McNary? You did not see me. What other games are you looking forward to, McNary, over here in this? This season, I already said my top two. Yeah, you guys covered both of your top two or my top four. And my fifth one is Niners-Cowboys Week 15, just because it's two of America's teams. Um, Cowboys added way more talent with CeeDee Lamb. Um, Niners are obviously fun. Um, I think that's a really good matchup, and I think that'll be a fun game. That's my probably – third or fourth best game too. I just feel like that defense of the 49ers and then the offense with the addition of CeeDee Lamb are going to be nuts. Um, which brings up the question, would you pay Dak what he wants? I personally wouldn't. I think Dak isn't even a top 10 quarterback in the league and he's asking for all this money. And I would be happy to go on the record saying which quarterbacks I would prefer to Dak any day of the week. Hit me. Let's see. From the AFC East, Sam Darnold. He's still younger than Joe Burrow, who's going to be a rookie this year. Give him time. I would rather have Tom Brady. I would rather have Drew Brees. I would rather have Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, Phillip Rivers, Kirk Cousins, who is not oatmeal, He's still better than Dak Prescott. I would prefer Matt Ryan over Dak Prescott. And to to finish this list, I don't know how I forgot this guy's name, Deshaun Watson. So I don't think Dak Prescott's even in the top 10 for me personally. I think he's uh, asking for $30, $35 million a year. The guy shouldn't be making 10. I think that you are insane. How dare you say that Kirk Cousins is better than Dak Prescott. Kirk Cousins, let's just put it this way, he's oatmeal. And we'll get to the oatmeal later. Kirk Cousins is oatmeal. Dak doesn't deserve 35, but I would give Dak 28, 29 million, personally. I mean, not worth 10. Taysom Hill's making 10 and a half a year. So that seems a little bit outrageous. I don't know. I mean, you kind of got to pay the quarterbacks. You got to pay what you got to pay. Uh, Kirk Cousins did set that standard of quarterbacks getting paid a little bit more than they should um, with more guaranteed money than they should. But that's kind of what the NFL is turning into. I know we haven't had sports in 65 days per Ryan Sandberg McNary, but what we have had has been a killer documentary the last dance shout out my guy jay hair i sat down with jay hair for about an hour and a half you can catch it on youtube one-on-one with jason hair um a nice little interview with the director of the last dance shout out williams college eves my soon-to-be former employer but i'm curious what you guys thought about the doc i mean i love it i'm a big jordan guy i am like the biggest phil jackson guy even though he was a cog in ruining the Knicks, even though the Knicks were already ruined. But I'm curious 
what you guys have thought about it. Like, there are a lot of villains in this doc. I feel like there are a lot more villains than heroes. I don't know. Personally, um, I know a lot of people have been upset and, and, and thought that Jordan was a little too rough on, on teammates and, and a little bit too much of a ruthless competitor. But honestly, I have thought completely the opposite. I mean, it takes what it takes to be a six-time champion, six and eight years, and the two years that you didn't win, you were off for 18 months of that. Um, I didn't have any problem with it. I think the uh, the last dance is fantastic. Um, I obviously watched Michael's highlights growing up as a kid and even as an adult now. Um, the greatest there ever was, greatest there ever will be, the best competitor there ever has been. Um, I know that some fans had some question about the kind of chronological order that this, like the show went in because it kind of jumps from maybe 91 to 99 and then back to 94. But I think it really focuses on, you know, a certain storyline each, each episode. And I think he did a great job of kind of portraying Michael on the court and Michael off the court. Like that scene with the, uh, with the security guard, the guy just beat Jordan in a game of quarters. How many guys, obviously he's not with us anymore. How many guys would be able to say, I beat Michael Jordan in anything? Guy did a shoulder shrug after taking MJ's money. You know how much and how competitive MJ is? For him to just give up his money, he must have been pissed, whether it was quarters or not. Guy was a psychopath. And this guy just does a shoulder shrug in front of him? That's just no respect. I feel like this documentary really – I feel like they didn't really get into Scotty as much. Like, they, they give they do the Scotty episode. Was it the second episode where they talk about the contract and they talk about where he came from and his two family members being in wheelchairs growing up? But other than that, they don't really talk about Scotty as a sidekick to MJ. I know it's the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan, but I feel like Scotty should have been given more credit in this film personally he's a top 50 player of all time he's one of the best players of that time i mean we missed it you know we're like right after that generation we caught the kobe lebron era but i feel like scotty kind of got the short end of the stick and isaiah thomas was just laid out to dry in this but that was kind of you know you knew that was coming jordan hates isaiah thomas to this day and he makes it very very clear that he won't ever even respect the man. The Pistons walking off the court without like shaking hands is something I don't think Jordan will ever forget, and I'm sure it's in his head to this day. The thing we do got to remember is this is a project that was greenlighted by Michael Jordan, who hates the Pistons, who hates Isaiah, who hates all the people who are looking bad in this documentary. So yes, a lot of the, I mean, all of this is really did happen, but from the viewpoint that we're seeing, um, it, it can be skewed and it can be biased. What do you guys think about uh, the soundtrack for the last dance? Personally, I love it. Um, takes me back a little bit. Um, I'm a big fan of the kind of throwback music. So hearing LL Cool J's I'm bad playing, for Michael Jordan's 63-point game against the Celtics, which is something I was like, oh, crap, this is amazing. 
yeah, they've had Tribe Called Quest. They've had, I mean, they've had everybody. It's been a phenomenal soundtrack. Uh, from the get-go, I've been tweeting and, and texting people how impressed I was with, one, the, the soundtrack, and two, just the amount of interviews that they've had. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. They must have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours, if not thousands of hours, of interviews with different um, people, from presidents to you know, to athletes, to musicians. Um, but the soundtrack is phenomenal. They just finished the 10th episode last week. It, it got approved last week and eight episodes have already aired. And we got the next two coming up in two days. We're filming this on Friday, the 15th. And we got two left. And I'm, I'm very interested to see what they talk about in the, the 98 Easter Conference Finals, Indiana and the Bulls. I mean, Reggie says it at the end of episode eight that he's a firm believer even today that that team is better than the Bulls team. And I agree. But at the end of the day, the Bulls had Michael and the Pacers didn't. I'm not sure if all of our listeners have seen the last dance or know too much about Michael Jordan. What I know that all of us pretty big sports fans, obviously. McNary is probably the biggest fact guy I know personally. What has been the biggest kind of, oh, wow, like shock moment that you guys have seen in the last dance? For me, it was Jordan flying to Vegas to get Dennis Rodman back to play for the Bulls. I had no idea that happened. I just was amazed that the greatest player ever to play the game of basketball would fly to go pick up Dennis Rodman. That just shows what he thinks about Rodman and how much he needed him. Yeah, I'm kind of a Google and Reddit whore. And so a lot of the stories I've heard, but actually visually seeing them is really cool. Um, and a lot of the baseball stuff, just his interactions with um, Francona, who obviously has won um, World Series and, I mean, has, has been on the highest stage of all time. Um, I just think that some of the stuff where he went to, obviously there's the documentary of Jordan rides the bus, but some of the stuff where he is competing with teammates and, and actually being one of the guys and learning how to be a teammate and having that translate back to the NBA and, and understanding how he has to get teammates involved. Um, can't do everything himself. Um, the camaraderie. I think that was really cool. I think for me, when you talk about the closeness of MJ and his father, I think if you know MJ, like if you know about him, you know about the closeness with his father, even before the documentary. And for them to touch on that. And then, so 96 finals, the Bulls win. Everybody has seen the picture of Michael Jordan in the locker room, laying face down with the ball on his face, but we've never heard it. We heard him sobbing. And those weren't tears of joy. Those were – he was bawling his eyes out because his dad was no longer with him, and that was the first championship he won without his father on his side. And it, it broke him, and that's completely fair. And I was the first one after coming back from playing baseball for 18 months. And for him to come back and completely revamp his body and just change completely was a huge accomplishment, which isn't, but isn't surprising because of who it is. But that moment for me, just hearing the sobs from Michael Jordan and then him crying at the end of episode seven. I mean, we really saw him as a human in this documentary. And I feel like we've never seen that from Michael Jordan. I feel like 
you could see that from LeBron. I mean, we saw it from LeBron when he, they won in 16, but we don't, we've never seen that from Jordan. Yeah. Going back to, going back to what you said um, about the sobbing, the fact that he won it on Father's Day too, like th- this is some of the stuff that you can't even like make up. Sports just is so emotional and it's just the perfect story. Yeah. There's very few people who have that, I mean, pull on, on people. It's, it's Michael, it's Muhammad Ali, it's Tiger Woods. Um, very few people ever have that ability to, you know, kind of reach the uh, top of the mountain and, and have people looking up to them, have people, you know, watching everything that they do, watching every move that they make. And for him to, you know, have the, have his three Pete, um, have his dad pass away. It's just kind of, you know, a culmination of all of that. And Sticking with basketball, I did see this classic video on Twitter the other day. It was my guy, Lonzo Ball. Shout out LeVar Ball, LaMelo Ball. Future Nick, LaMelo Ball. Shout out to Nick. Shout out JC, Sess, and Belize. Anyway, um, I saw a video of Lonzo Ball working out in his garage. What was he doing? He looked like a bird. I don't know if any of you saw that video. I saw it. Yeah, that was tough. Um, he's not the most uh, muscle-bound athlete I've ever seen. Um, I mean, he's fast. He's athletic. He can jump. He can run. But clearly he has not worked out more than twice in his life. Yeah, no, Alonzo Ball – was also using like YMCA equipment too. Um, you're making millions of dollars, guy. Like, you have this big baller brand, and you're here using 99 cent plates. Like, get some form, get some strength, get some good equipment. You're an NBA athlete. You're out here looking like a fool. I can go to my local YMCA and lift more and better equipment than you. Also, who was that guy who was training him? He was super fat, out of shape, and was just his hype man. I, I, I didn't quite get it. That's who I was exactly going to say. I thought that was his hype man too. I have no idea what that guy's purpose was. You know what Lonzo Ball is, right? What? You tell me. Oatmeal. Yeah, right. Talking about oatmeal. What about the Seahawks? So this news broke this week. The Seahawks supposedly offered the Browns Russell Wilson for the 2018 number one pick, which obviously was Baker Mayfield. I don't know whether they were going to pick Mayfield or Darnold or maybe somebody else in that class, but this guy, Wilson, led you to a 9-7 and record. He's constantly one of the best quarterbacks in the league although he's never even been put up for an MVP award. He's never won an MVP after dominating. Um, I think the fact that, you, that you're going to offer your franchise quarterback for a first-round pick who obviously hasn't proved anything is just insane. Back in 2017, Russell Wilson was like 27 years old. So 
I mean, he's still in his prime. I don't know why you try to get rid of him. Russ is the most underappreciated athlete in professional sports. He's top three quarterback in the NFL. And Russ is just, he's a Jesus man. That's Russ. Who doesn't love Russ? Who doesn't love Russ? So for me, though, my oatmeal moments, I have two. And one is near and dear to my heart. Mr. Matthew Edward Harvey, my friend. If I see one more video of your slider hanging in the air, I'm going to throw up. Give it up. It's over, my friend. It is over. And I hate your guts for not costing me a championship, but we won't go there. But I despise him. And he should just give it up. He's a cocaine addict and a crybaby. And one more. I saw a video today. I'm sure you guys are familiar with Doug Gottlieb. Um, obviously, sports are in weird times right now, and talk show hosts are by themselves in their studios. Doug Gottlieb was recording today in a muscle shirt. It's just not a good look. He's balding. It's just, it's oatmeal. And the last oatmeal moment of the inaugural podcast of The Next Man Up belongs to Mr. Ryan McNary. McNary, hit me. This is going to be me falling on the sword. There's about 12 teams left. We were hanging out. We are chilling. We had our load out. Sal and Brett decided to get murked for no reason. Just me and me and Karalikas hanging out left. And I didn't know that. Wasn't paying attention. Had a lot of money. Ran into a buy station. Bought a self-res. Said, fuck Lindsay and fuck Sal. I immediately got shot in the face about 40, 50 times. Went to the gulag. Won. I won. Only person left. Flying back in. Gonna grab the money. Gonna res the squad. Didn't deploy my shoot. and Broke everything. And then we lost. Thank you for listening to the inaugural episode of the Next Man Up podcast for Sal Gualteri. Nick Karolikas. And your boy, Ryan McNary. Keep your heads up and stay safe. Doses. Ooh.